You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. This morning's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to hope in time of need. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it's given for our good. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, you chose to communicate to us, your creatures, through your word. And right now, because of the conditions we're in in our city, many of us are watching this reflection on your word, this exhortation from your word, through devices that are reserved for entertainment. Father, by the power of your spirit, would you speak personally to us through this, your word, and make this not just a time of entertainment, but a time in which we have a real encounter with you and we know your great love for us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name we ask these things. Amen. Well, I'll never forget the first time I got a chance to go ice fishing. It was a men's getaway in northern Ontario. We arrived at the cottage relatively early in the day, and I wanted to get out on the ice and ice fish right away. There was one problem, though. There was a blizzard forecasted for the day, and you could see the storm sort of gathering steam across the lake. A couple of the guys on the trip said, maybe we shouldn't go out fishing today. Maybe we should wait for tomorrow. And I was a bit surprised. I gave them trouble that we were fishing less than 100 meters from the dock and the dock was close to the cottage. How in the world could this be so dangerous? Eventually, we decided to go and one guy suggested we tie a rope to the dock and run it out to the fishing hut in the event that the storm quickly came upon us. I used most of my time to make fun of them. I assumed they were just warriors. I called them the dads of the trip. (laughs) Until later that night, as I used my phone and surfed the web and found stories on Google of ice fishermen who could get caught in blizzards and get stranded in the middle of the ice. And when the blizzard rolls in with that extreme limited visibility, the type of blizzard where you can hardly see your hand in front of you, where the snow drifts are moving all around you, I found stories of people wandering in circles, so disoriented because of the storm, they could not find their way to safety. I realized the consequences of ice fishing in the middle of a blizzard were indeed very dangerous, if not deadly. And so the next morning, I set out with the rope in hand. But there were clear skies the next morning. I did learn one valuable lesson, though, and it's this. No matter how bad the storm is, and no matter how hard snow might be blowing across the lake, If there was a rope tied to a safety point on one end and the fishing hut in the other, you could always get back to safety. You could always get back to the security of the place in which you were staying. So long as there was a rope, you didn't run the risk of becoming disoriented and walking in circles. Well, for the past two weeks during the Lenten season, we've been looking at temptation, 
this sort of enticement towards sin, this enticement to go against God's ways. The first week we looked at how temptation worked. We said it's an irritation or an inflamement of a generally good desire. And these inflamed desires start to consume us and push us towards sin. The next week we looked at, last week we looked at the way a fallen angel named Satan acts as a tempter and stokes up and works to inflame our desires, making it such that temptation is like one of these disorienting blizzards, like one of these great storms. This week, I want to ask, how can we find our way out when temptations seem overwhelming? How can we find a way out when we find temptations dizzying us, uh, making us disoriented, feeling caught in a blizzard of temptation? What is our path out? And I believe this passage teaches that there is a rope. There is the lifeline in the midst of the blizzards of seasons of temptation, a rope that stretches out to each one of us, a rope that we can grab onto in difficult times, a rope that we can lay hold of with our hands, And though you can hardly see anything in front of you during seasons of chaos, it's this rope that can give us hope in times of distressing temptation. So what I want to look at this morning is how the rope comes to us and how to use the rope. So first, how does this rope come to us? How does it get to us in the first place, right? If you're out fishing, ice fishing, someone has to tie the rope to one end of the dock and has to also fasten the rope securely to the fishing hut if it's going to be any help in the midst of a storm. How does this rope that this passage is talking about come to us? The passage is somewhat strange, as you heard it read. It was a short passage, and I hope you were paying attention. It starts by saying, since we have such a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, what is going on passing through the heavens? You may know that the, this letter to the, to the Hebrew Christians, we don't know who wrote it, but we do know what they were being tempted by. They were being tempted to leave behind Christianity and revert back to Judaism. They were te- tempted to leave behind their confession that Jesus Christ was the Lord, that he was the master, the ruler of heaven and earth. And they were tempted to revert back to Judaism and assume that Jesus was some kind of false prophet, some kind of deceiver. And the author of this letter is saying, don't do that. That's why in verse 14, he explicitly says, hold fast to your confession. Keep trusting in Jesus. Why? Well, we should keep trusting in Jesus because he is so much greater than the priest that Judaism had to offer. He gives us so much more secure of a rope to lead us through these storms and trials. In Judaism, the priest once a year would go into a central room in the temple called the Holy of Holies, and he would offer a sacrifice on Yom Kippur to atone for the sins of God's people. But this rope was only good for a year. It only provided hope for one year, and the sacrifices had to be made again the next year. The author in this letter is saying Jesus, the greater high priest, entered not just into this Holy of Holies in the temple, but actually went beyond the earthly temple into the heavenly temple where God himself dwells. And there he offered the sacrifice in God's presence. And he did this as a human being with human flesh and blood, just like yours and mine. A human being who knows what trials feel like, who can comprehend and sympathize in our weakness. He was permitted to go into the God's realm of heaven because he was without sin and he was welcomed in. And by his work, he is offering up the only rope strong enough to take us 
straight to God. He is Jesus, the Son of God. So we can know that this rope is, is good for more than just one year. It is good throughout all of eternity. This rope will hold up. What the writer to the Hebrews is saying is in the face of temptation, and in, fa- in the face of the temptation that's in front of the, the people that, to which he's writing, this temptation to flee Christianity because life was felt like a blizzard. Uh, persecution was coming upon them. They were being disconnected from their families, losing jobs, status in society. And the blizzard of that temptation where you can hardly see your hand in front of you, you're so overwhelmed. He's saying there is a rope, Jesus Christ. Grab hold of this rope. The picture is this. Jesus is like an ice fisherman who comes and joins a group of fishermen in the hut who are absolutely in the worst of storm. And he secures a rope to the hut and walks through the storm from the fishing hut straight to the cottage, straight to home. He doesn't deviate. He doesn't get sidetracked. He doesn't get disoriented by temptations. He's able to walk through the storm in a straight line and secure the rope to the safeties of home despite the snowdrift. You see, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has secured this rope. The Bible calls this realm the realm of heaven where there's no more suffering, but also no more trials, no more temptation, a place where people flourish in all that they do. And what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is that Jesus came. He came into the hut. He secured the rope. He walked through the storm, secured the rope safely into the realm of heaven. Now you grab onto this rope and you can find your security, your hope throughout whatever storm is coming your way. So what does this mean? It means in the face of all of our temptations, though our temptations may be different than those that the original author is writing to. Our temptations probably aren't to revert to Judaism, but our temptations are to do th- to look to other things other than Jesus Christ. The promise is the exact same. We have a secure rope that is fastened to the throne of heaven, a rope that we can hold on to by faith, Jesus the high priest. How did this rope come to you? It came to you through Jesus taking on flesh, growing up as a little child, having a real human body, soul, and mind, a real human existence, and in his human body, facing all the storms and temptations of life and walking through them without sin. He did this so that this rope could be securely fashioned to the throne of heaven. This is how the rope came to us. Jesus acting as our great high priest, coming into our world and being one of us, mediating and negotiating and finding a way forward so that we could enter into the realm of God. But now we have to ask, how do we use this rope? The author to the Hebrews gives two clear exhortations. The first is to hold fast to our confession in verse 14. And the second is to draw near to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace and help in the time of need. So how do we lay hold of this rope that's available to us? We do this first by holding fast to our confession. This would mean that we need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the boss, the prime minister, the ruler, the highest authority in heaven and on earth. And this is so critical to remember when you are facing temptation. Because what happens in temptation? Something in your body, your desire has become inflamed. And it says that you must listen to it. You must give in to it. There is no other way. And in the midst of that storm, 
This passage is telling you, you must tell yourself, desire what Jesus Christ says is most important. What he tells me to do is most important. Jesus is the true Lord. He is the true master. He is the one where it, through whom the good life and the security is found, not through what you are telling me at this time. But we're not just to remain, uh, maintain a good public confession and commitment to Jesus. We're also to draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, this might be somewhat confusing. You might say, why am I supposed to draw near to Jesus in seasons of temptation? How does that give me any victory during times of temptation? Why would I draw near to Jesus? In fact, if anything, the passage says, he lived like us yet with, was without sin. So why would I draw near to him when I'm enraged in anger or uh, when I'm fueled and filled up with jealousy and it's consuming my mind? Why would I draw near to him? He doesn't understand the guilt associated with this. He doesn't understand the shame and the addictive impulses that come because of sin. He never sinned. And the thought of drawing near to Jesus in the throes of temptation feels backwards. What if Jesus looks at us and says, look, I did it. I got through it and crosses his hand saying, you can do it too. Suck it up. There's some sense in which I can understand that to be true. I mean, if you're struggling with overeating or obesity, you don't really want to go confide in the person who can eat like garbage and yet is still as thin as a rail. But this passage tells us that Jesus is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. And this is crucial for our victory. How could this be? Well, one way to think about this is not necessarily that Jesus has been tempted in identical ways to us, you know, he never was a pregnant woman. I, I think have, being a pregnant woman includes a certain unique set of challenges and difficulties. Jesus was never a pregnant woman. He wasn't tempted exactly like you if you're pregnant at this time. But he was tempted in a real way and in a manner that is similar and has overlap to all the temptations we experience as well. I think the case can be made that Jesus knows all kinds of temptation and he knows them better than us. You know why? Because he was sinless. Think of it this way. Sin doesn't make you a, a necessarily a more understanding person. We have this idea in our world that, you know, if you have sinned a particular way, you're easier to confide in because you understand how difficult the battle is. But the problem is sin doesn't necessarily make you more in touch with temptation. It doesn't make you more human. In fact, sin has the ability to subtly harden your heart and make you a little more careless and a little bit uh, more dull to the things that you should be sensitive to. I see this all the time in accountability groups. They often struggle because even while one person is given accountability to the other and, he, and one person is saying, I've been where you are and I'm, I've moved forward, you know, I can give you some tips. There is this big fear that that person has only made it uh, further because he had a different set of situations and circumstances than the other person. And a person, the, the younger person might think, well, if he was in my shoes, he'd fall back again. But here's the deal. Jesus cannot fall back. His victory over sin is sure and certain. Maybe I could illustrate it this way. If you are very tempted to steal, you might find uh, solace and, and compassion in someone else who has made a lifetime habit of stealing, a theft, a thief. But you also might find that as you share your temptations with this thief, you might find that this individual doesn't even actually understand some of the elements of the temptation because every time he's tempted, he is always historically given into it. 
so he doesn't really understand the way the temptation boils up and overwhelms. I'm playing off an idea from the great uh, English thinker uh, C.S. Lewis. Let me read actually an extended uh, quote from him that makes some sense of this. He writes this, A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the enemy army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of the wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like for an hour, an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They've lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside of us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only human being who never yielded to temptation, is also the only human being who knows full what temptation means. Listen, no one understands what you're going through like Jesus. No one. Hunger, he knew hunger. Thirst, he knew thirst. I mean, it's one of his final words on the cross. Grief, he was acquainted with grief. Rejection, he knew rejection like you will never know. Injustice, he, was, he experienced injustice. Trauma, he certainly experienced trauma. There is no one who understands what you are going through like Jesus. There is no one who can meet you in the depths of despair or the midst of feeling overwhelmed or the times in which you feel powerless over temptation like Jesus. This is why in the throes of temptation, you must draw near to him. He, willpower will only last so long. Calling for friends for accountability will only last so long. Jesus knows what you're going through and has promised to be a source of mercy and help. Draw near to Jesus in times of temptation. This could be as simple as crying out, Jesus, my high priest, have mercy on me. I am in one of those times of need. You promised to offer mercy and grace. Have mercy. You draw near through prayer. You also draw near through reading the scriptures and searching God's word and studying his word and finding uh, who he would want you to be and how he would want you to live. You draw near to God by worshiping him, joining with the angels and with the church all around the world and singing praises about the greatness of God and reminding yourself of why he is so set apart and so excellent. This is what you do in the throes of temptation. And this is what I think we must remember as we begin to uh, hope to assemble back together again in this next year. We need to come together and draw near to God in corporate worship so that we have vigor to fight temptation. For in gathering together, in crying out to God, in drawing near to the throne, we find that mercy, that grace we so desperately need. Listen, Jesus has drawn near to us in our humanity, and he now invites us not to shed our humanity, but to draw near to the divine one, to the throne of grace in the heavens where security and safety and flourishing unending are found, and he promises us that we will find help in our time of need. When you feel overwhelmed by temptation, don't forget there is a rope of salvation offered. A rope has come to us through the work of Jesus the high priest. It's securely tied to the foot of the throne of heaven where evil has no place, sin has no power. This rope cannot break. It will endure forever. Would you lay hold of this rope by faith today? 
Would you trust Jesus today in the throes of your temptation? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.